Section 13 of The Diary of a Country Parson by James Woodford. Read by John Greenman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 1771. He gives a dinner and supper party on January 5th at the lower house, followed by a dance. The company seemed very well pleased with their entertainment. I treated them with my large wax candle. On January 8th he and his brothers organized a ball at Ansford Inn, where we had a very genteel hop and did not break up till three in the morning. The company besides, myself and Mrs. Farr, who opened the ball, consisted of three other parsons, Squire Creed, and the usual Carey celebrities. January 10th. Brother John was greatly astonished by a light this evening as he came through orchards, a field by Ansford Church, which light seemed to follow him close behind all the way through that field, and which he could not account for. I hope it is no omen of death in the family, and be the reflection of the snow I apprehend occasioned the light that my brother saw. January 16th extreme hard frost with a cutting wind it was allowed by my father and aunt anne this afternoon that the weather now is as severe as it was in the year seventeen forty january twentieth my poor father rather worse than better he wastes very fast brother john is i am afraid coming into his old complaint the stone having some bad symptoms of it to-day if it is, I pray God that he may bear it with Christian patience and resignation. He has not been, I am afraid, so thankful as he should have been to Almighty God for his former deliverance from the same. Things in our family at present look but melancholy. Pray God have mercy on us all and forgive us our sins. On January 22nd he, on horseback, accompanies his father to Bath who goes in the Ansford Inn chaise with his faithful old maid, they hoped the bath waters would do the old man good. They get rooms at Trim Street, near Beaufort Square, for a dining-room, a bedchamber, and for a little closet in the bedchamber for the maid to sleep in, my father is to give, being out of the season, per week nineteen shillings. In the season he would have had to pay twenty-five shillings, apparently. The diarist himself sleeps at the White Lion. Next day, January 23rd, Dr. Mosey prescribes an opening draught, and to drink the bath waters three times a day, and to drink it in the pump-room, viz. to go there after it. My father gave him a guinea for prescribing as usual. The doctor seems high and mighty, but sensible. My father's disorder is thought to be an irregular gout. I dined, supped, and spent the evening with my father. We had a roasted fowl for dinner, which we brought with us. Next day, January 24th, the diarist returns to Ansford. January 26th. I sent a basket of things to my father this morning, with a barrel of cider and a letter by the Bath newsman. I dined, supped, and spent the evening at Parsonage with Jenny Clark and Sister Jane. We were very agreeable and merry. Sister Jane took a vomit this evening, by Dr. Clark's order, she having not been right for some time, bumps on her face, etc. On January 28th he went to Bath to see his father, whom he found getting on well. 
He plays backgammon with his father, does the usual bath round, a ball, play, coffee drinking, etc., etc., and returns on February 1st. February 10th, Sunday. Brother John and Andrew Russ stayed at Parsonage this evening till after twelve o'clock, then came to the lower house, and after Andrew Russ went home, Brother John, being very full in liquor at two o'clock in the morning, made such an intolerable noise by swearing in so terrible a manner and so loud that it disturbed me out of sound sleep being gone to bed, and was so shocked at it that I was obliged to get up to desire him to go to bed. But all my arguments and persuasions were in vain, and he kept me up till five in the morning, and then I went to bed, and he went on horseback for bath. It was an exceeding cold night and very hard frost, and at seven o'clock in the morning snowed very hard. Oh, that Jack was in some way of business, and that his life was something better and more religious, for in the morning, whilst I was at church, he was shooting. On February 14th his father returns from Bath with Brother John, but very little better for the waters. February 19th. My father was brave and in good spirits this morning, but in the evening was as bad as ever, and talked very moving to Sister Jane and me about his funeral, and that he wanted to alter his will, and mentioned the underwritten to me and my Sister Jane, that he desired that his maid, Elizabeth Clothier, should have that house where Grace Stevens lives at present during her life, and after her life to go to my sister Jane, as well as all the other poor houses, and Mrs. Parr's house, and the field called four acres to her, my sister Jane. That sister White has one hundred pounds to make her equal to her sister Clark in fortune, that I have all his books and bookcase in his study, and that he would have no people invited to his funeral to make a show, but that he is carried to Ansford Church by six of his poor neighbors, Robin Francis and his brother Thomas were mentioned, and that they have half a crown apiece, to be laid in the vault where my mother is by her side, and that a little monument be erected in the side wall near the vault in memory of him and his wife. My poor father is, I think, much in the same way as my poor mother was. Pray God to bless him and keep him, and give us all strength to bear so sore an affliction as such a separation must occasion, if it be thy divine will, to remove him from us. O oh God, whenever such an event happens, take him to thyself, and give us grace to follow his good examples, that with him we may deserve to be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. Grant him, O oh Lord, an easy and happy exit." better parents no children ever had than we have been blessed with. Blessed be God for it, and make us more worthy than we are for all thy goodness to us. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Thou hast not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our wickedness. Praise thou the Lord, O my soul. I played at backgammon with my father in the evening, it takes him in some degree off from thinking of his pain. I won sixpence. On March 13th he writes to Mrs. Powell at Harding, near St. Albans, Hertz, to apply for the livings of Cary and Ansford in case his father should die. March 18th he had another disturbed night, 
Brothers John and Hise sat up drinking with Captain Pompier and Mr. Goldsborough, a midshipman, all drunk. They drank three bottles of wine and near twenty quarts of cider. March 23rd. Dr. Dixon of Taunton, who seems a mighty sensible, affable man, comes to see his father and receives a fee of five pounds, five shillings. He does not doubt he shall do my father great good. March 28th, Mrs. Powell replies to his letter promising him carry living, but saying nothing of Ansford. March 31st, Brother John again came home drunk and greatly disturbed him. He enters, It is most unhappy the life that I am obliged at present to lead. Again on April 4th, Jack bullied and behaved to me as usual, when so very few, I believe, would bear half which I do. I hope one day or another it will be something better. On April 9th his father is much worse than ever. He groans very loud indeed. Pray God release him from his pains, which are acute. Dr. Clark gives him liquid laudanum to compose him. April 11th he notes the extreme cold, never such weather known by any person living at present. April 14th his brothers are again drunk. Most intolerable noises all night. It was almost impossible to sleep. Such a Sunday night again may I never feel or see. Our house at Lower House is the worst in the parish, or any other parish. It grieves me to see it. And again on April 26th, Jack was worse to-night than ever I knew him. I never heard a man swear like him, and for so long together. Pray God to turn his heart soon, for I dread the consequences. On April 30th, my poor dear father very bad this afternoon almost choked with phlegm in his stomach which i am afraid is the rattles and a foreboding of his speedy departure hence which if it is o oh god receive his soul into thy everlasting kingdom on the same day he enters that his cousin tom woodford sends a basket to the parsonage with these presents a couple of pigeons some electuary for aunt parr some spirit of lavender for Aunt Anne, and a pot of confectio cardiaca for my father. On May ninth, a two days cockfight between Somerset and Wilts at Ansford Inn ended in the victory of Somerset. Wilts was beat shamefully. I believe my brother John won a good deal of money at it. On June fifteenth, his Aunt Parr dies. No woman ever could like a person more than she did my good father and she daily prayed to depart this life before him, and it pleased God to hear her prayers and take her. May 16th. My poor father worse than ever a great deal, and altered greatly after twelve at night, and in great agonies all the morning, and it pleased the Almighty Creator to deliver him out of all his pain and trouble in this world about one half an hour after one o'clock at noon, by taking him to himself. Blessed therefore be the name of the Lord. It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, miserable sinners, and send us comfort from above. The diarist was left sole executor of all his father's real and personal property left between him, Brother John, and Sister Jane. May 17th. My brother John, myself, and Sister Jane, 
examined this morning my poor father's bureau etc at parsonage and we found in cash in all the places the sum of five hundred and eighteen pounds nine shillings sixpence mortgages bonds and notes of hand five hundred and thirty three pounds sixteen shillings i sent poor old alice stacy by her daughter this morning to cheer up her spirits a little one shilling the poor creature begged most heartily to sit up with my poor father all night which she did with christian speed on may twenty second his father is buried in much state the pallbearers all had black silk hatbands and chamois gloves the underbearers had black lamb gloves and each two shilling sixpence william corp the servant had a black crape hatband and buckles and a black broadcloth coat and waistcoat given him by us the clerk a black silk hatband common and a pair of mock chamois gloves the sextons of ansford and carey had lamb gloves the women relations though they did not attend had or to have all black chamois gloves the six women wakers who sat up all night with the corpse after death each a pair of black lamb gloves carrie bell as well as ansford bell told from twelve at noon until eight in the evening everything i hope was done decently handsome and well and nothing omitted but want of speaking to the gentlemen to return to the parsonage to pull of their cloaks at the house which however most of them did and drank a glass of wine and went june fourth after to-day i am to keep the parsonage house june fifth this morning between james woodford jane woodford and john woodford housekeeping was settled as follows that i should keep house at parsonage jack at lower house and that sister jane should board with me for sixteen pounds per annum tea sugar and wine accepted june twenty fourth i read prayers this morning at carrie being midsummer day after prayers i made a little visit to mrs mellier where i met mr frank woodford and told him before mrs mellier miss mellier and miss barton what great obligations i was under to him for his not offering me to hold his livings for him instead of mr dolton and mr gatehouse from such base actions and dishonest men o lord deliver me on june twenty fifth he rides over to see his cousin mr dolton parson of cucklington who is to hold the living of ansford for frank woodford and on july ninth he duly inducts him to ansford rectory where the diarist and his sister jane are to live mr dolton promising not to turn them out on july thirtieth he enters busy this morning making a pot of medicines for horses from numerous entries of fees from this time on it appears that he treated quite a number of horses in one case a horse was sent him to be treated all the way from wiltshire mr goldney of chippenham on september twenty second he dines and spends the evening with the creeds and they went to the cudgel playing alias backsword at crocker's where was good sport and a vast concourse of people on the same day a mr wickham informs him that the bishop of bath and wells had given him the vicarage of castle carry he wants to know if the diarist can serve it for him who replies i could not serve but till he was provided september twenty fifth he goes over to dine with mr wickham at shepton mallet 
and brings back with him in the chaise Miss Betsy White of Shepton, to whom he refers as follows, She is a sweet-tempered girl indeed, and I liked her much, and I think would make a good wife. I do not know, but I shall make a bold stroke that way. He sees a good deal of her. On October 14th he and his boy go to Oxford, returning home on October 23rd. October 19th. The streets of Oxford are much improved. All the signs are taken down and put against the houses. The streets widened. Eastgate and Brockards taken down, and a new bridge going to be built where Magdalen Bridge now stands, and temporary bridges during the building of it, now making by Christchurch Broadwalk, for to go up the hill, etc. December 23rd. Mr. Thomas Woodford of Taunton, who is lately married to a Miss Waters of Blandford, with his new wife came to my house in a post-chaise just at dinner-time, and they both dined, supped, and slept at Parsonage. His wife appears to be a very agreeable as well as a handsome young lady, and has eight hundred pounds for her fortune. I really think my cousin has made a very good choice. Mr. Leach of Alford and Mr. James Clark supped and spent the evening at Parsonage. Mr. Leach came to me to see Ecton's Liber Valorum, to see whether he can hold two livings without a dispensation. Mrs. Burton had given his eldest son the living of Sutton. The reference to Mrs. Burton and the living of Sutton, or Sutton Montes, to give the parish its full name, is not without interest, for Mrs. Burton was the widow of the last Burton rector of Sutton Montes, the living having passed successfully from father to son for just two centuries. The first Burton, Edmund Burton, who was a near kinsman of the famous author of the Anatomy of Melancholy, had come to Sutton Montes in 1573, and the last Burton died there in 1771. And even then the family connection was not broken, for the last rector's daughter, Eleanor, had married Mr. Leach's son, and through their descendants the living remained in the family till almost the end of the nineteenth century. I should think that this is probably a unique record of a clerical continuity of the same family in the same parish. The Burton Parsons were mainly educated at Cambridge, but one or two were at Oxford. This is another instance of a good sound clerical family, son succeeding father from Queen Elizabeth to George III, as against the Macaulay theory of Anglican decay. Mrs. Burton was Anne, daughter of Squire Francis Hollis Newman of Cadbury, whose son, it will be remembered, had sent our diarist a hare when he was an undergraduate at Oxford. Note. Alumni Cantabrigienses, J. and J. A. Venn, 1922, and Foster's Alumni Oxonienses under Burton. Phelps, History of Somersetshire, Volume 1, page 431, Family Records. Francis Hollis Newman was sheriff of Somerset in 1700. Through my mother I descend from these Burton Parsons. End of section 13, 1771.